Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Danny Hewson. Danny is a financial analyst at AJ Bell, which is one of the UK's leading investment platforms. She joined them in 2021, and she works across television, radio, and online platforms as a commentator and writer, delivering insight and analysis across UK and global business and financial sectors. She brings experience and insight from her 19 years working at the BBC, presenting and reporting on business news across a variety of programmes, including BBC Breakfast and Radio 5 Live's flagship business programme, Wake Up to Money. Danny has a passion for making financial reporting understandable and relevant to all audiences and brings a high level of financial and economic expertise. So I am super excited to welcome Danny Hewson to the show. Welcome, Danny. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Well, I'm really excited that you've joined us. I mean, you've got a phenomenal career that you've had over the years. Um, tell us just a little bit about you, Danny, and what you're doing now. Uh, well, I worked for the BBC for 20 years, um, going out and talking to people about finance and money and business predominantly. And um, in the last year, uh, with COVID and everything happening, I've switched jobs uh, and I'm now working for an investment platform called AJ Bell. And I am a financial analyst. So I basically look at everything that is going on in the world, you know, unemployment, and uh, inflation and the rising cost of living. That's something we're all talking about an awful lot right now and just figure out how that's going to impact businesses and people. So that's that's what I'm doing mostly from my kitchen table. I mean, it's great the work you do because I know a lot of my listeners are very nervous about finances. A lot of the time when you're going through a divorce, Maybe I know with some of my clients, they've never looked at the finances. That was always their husband's job, you know, and I know that sounds a bit traditional or maybe a bit outdated now, but it's true for so many people. And then also, you know, going through having to budget and looking at the long term planning, all this can come as a bit of a shock and finances can be really scary. So what are the things that you see for people coming out of divorces, especially women? It is incredibly scary and suddenly you're responsible for everything, for making sure that you have enough money to pay the bills, for for making sure that you know what bills are coming in, for making sure that you are um, planning for your future as well. So if you've suddenly got a big pot of money from a divorce settlement, that can be incredibly terrifying. You're responsible. What happens if you lose that money, if you put it in the wrong places and Who do you talk to about it? Where do you get that financial advice from? And it is really important if you don't understand and you can afford it to get some kind of financial advice. I will say, though, that there are some great sites out there. Advice Now um, has some fantastic advice in really good old fashioned plain English because 
that can be a huge issue as well, just understanding some of the terminology. I mean, they don't make it easy. Uh, and also there is um, resolution. That's a, a really good source of information for all things connected to divorce. But yeah, it's, it's scary, isn't it? I mean, you often find in a household that one partner will handle the sort of big finances, the mortgage, the bills, but the other partner might be handling the day-to-day -day things like clothing, if you've got children when they need new school shoes, figuring out how much you need to set aside for food, knowing how much things are going up by. And if you're suddenly in a situation where you're having to deal with numbers that you've never dealt with before, if you're having to go to the supermarket for the first time and you're looking at the price of food and thinking, <laughs> I don't remember having to pay this much, you know, suddenly having to find £100 every week to pay those food bills can be incredibly scary. So I would just say, take a breath. It's actually not as hard as you might think. You can do it. Most people in their lives have run some kind of budget. They figured out whether or not they can afford to go on holiday. They've figured out how to make, you know, a hundred pounds last for a certain period of time and, and what things need to come out of that. So I think the very first thing to do is to get a piece of paper to figure out what you've got coming in, what that equates to in terms of every month, even take it down to every week, and then what you've got going out, the really crucial things that you need to pay for. But then, you know, don't just think about food and bills, also think about your life. What do you want your life to be like? Because if you haven't factored in the fact that you kind of like to go and get your hair cut and colored, you know, every month, then you're going to get to the end of the month and think, I don't have the money for that. So it is about making sure that you dot those I's and cross those T's and ask for advice and for help. That's such good advice. I think getting that clarity can be quite scary in itself, though, because sometimes we don't want to see, do we? We don't want to see. We think we just know it's painful. So, so you know, working it out, if, for example, it shines a light that there is a big hole in that, where can people turn to to start to, to, to manage that stress? Because that can be quite scary. I think the best thing to do is to talk to friends, obviously, just to be able to deal with the emotions. And then I would really say that the first port of call is to talk to your bank. There are people there who will help you make sure that your bank account is the right one for you. They will help you with budgeting tools through your bank account. There are lots of really clever things that you can do now. But also, if you are in a position where you realize that that divorce settlement isn't going to be enough, and so many people will, then you might have to think about the world of work again. Maybe you haven't worked before and you now have to work. Maybe you've got the house in the settlement, but you're realizing that this very nice house that you've got is just too expensive for you to run. Well, maybe you do have to put those emotions aside and think, proactively and move to a smaller house that is cheaper and then take that money and put it somewhere where it is going to work for you. So either put it into a pension so that you do have an income when you decide to retire, put it into some kind of um, ISA so that it's 
tax protected and really think about how that money is going to make your life run smoothly because it you've probably got quite a long life left to live and you want to make the most out of it so don't be scared and just start to take those first steps as I said there's a lot of advice out there you know places like citizens advice as well are very good if you've got real concerns about certain things although of course you know a lot of them are inundated at the moment because of the pandemic but as I say those two websites that I mentioned earlier they're really good at just giving you straightforward advice. That's really good advice in itself. I think when it comes to the family home, this is something I see with my coaching clients, there's a lot of emotion in that decision, isn't there? And it's, doesn't, it's not really a financial decision. It's like, well, I've got to stay in the family home because the kids are there and that's what they know. And so sometimes the actual, you know, the heart is ruling the head, if you like. It's very much, I need to stay in the family home. It was their decision even. I hear that a lot. It was their decision. That doesn't mean I'm going to lose my home. But again, it's the decision is bigger than that, as you say, really got to look at all the areas and, and make a decision really based on what's affordable moving forward. Really, Yeah, important. and it is such an emotional time. And if you've got children involved, particularly if they're at school, you don't want to take them out of that school at a time when you know they're going through emotional upheaval. You've probably got friends that live around you and that support network is really, really important. So just take a breath and have a look around. Maybe you'll be able to find a house in the same area that's just not quite as big, or, you know, it's a fixer-upper that you can do slowly. It doesn't have quite the amenities that you were used to, but it does just give you that breathing space to get your life back on your feet. And it, it can be really hard, can't it? You know, to, to allow yourself to take that breathing space, not to just keep, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine, blinkers on, going forward. Don't do that because that is going to end you in a world of hurt. Yeah, so true. I mean, it is, like you say, a really difficult decision. But I think there's, there's a, a, a way of dealing with it where you take some of that emotion out and you look at also the emotional benefit for moving because there is there's a lot to be said for the peace of mind that, okay, your house, your home may not be the same size or like you say, with the same amenities, but you've got money in the bank, you're safe and secure, you've got some time now, takes the pressure off at a time where you know, there is a lot of pressure. Going through a divorce is the second most dramatic life experience we go through. So anything we can do to take that pressure off a little bit is going to help. Now, I know there's something you talk about, which is called being financially invisible. And a lot of people find themselves in that situation coming out of a, especially a long marriage. So tell us a little bit about what being financially invisible actually means. Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life, and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, 
including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. Tell us a little bit about what being financially invisible actually means. Um, I've spoken to a lot of women that have found themselves in this situation. You know, they've got married in their 20s, they've had children, they've stopped working, and they have been the ones to to take care of the kids. So they have left the day-to-day financial decisions, paying the bills to their partner, which means that their partner's name is on the mortgage. Their partner's name is on the gas and electricity bills. Their partner's name is the main one on the credit card. They're only a junior name on the credit card. So when they come to maybe trying to get a mortgage for themselves, perhaps, you know, in terms of a house, you might be able to remortgage your home if you've got the house free and clear from your divorce. But people can't see you financially because you've not ever taken out a car loan. You've never um, paid an energy bill. So when people come to lending you money or even taking you on for um, energy bills, you know, you want to pay them by direct debit, people are like, well, I I can't see you. You know, you don't come up when we do our search. And, you know, we live our lives financially now so much online that if you're not there as a a dot online, then, you know, automatically the computer is going to say, uh-uh. So it's, it's a matter of trying while you're going through the process, maybe to take on a few of those bills to, if you are starting out happily married, just to make sure that you share those bills, at least your name is on those bills and your name is on the mortgage, you've got joint things. Hopefully, if you're just getting married, you're never going to be going into a divorce, and you know, but it's about planning. And I think the one thing that many people don't do at the start of their divorce process is think about the day-to-day operation of running their lives, their finances. They're thinking big picture, need to get the divorce, who's going to look after the children, where am I going to live, that kind of thing. But they're not thinking about, okay, how am I going to get credit in the future if I need it? So even taking out a credit card, you know, even if you only, you know, use it once and pay it back immediately, you're then visible. And that is massively important. It can take you a long time. And suddenly if you need something and you can't get it because you're not recognized, it it can be incredibly frustrating. So as I say, always seek advice. If you go to um, someone, your solicitor and say, I'm struggling with my finances, they can connect you with somebody who will take you through every step of the way, how to budget, how to get a credit card, how to make sure that you are financially visible. It's really good advice. I think it's something that we don't think about. You know, you're in a, in a marriage, you feel safe, everything's ticking along, you've got your share of responsibilities and your partner's got their share 
And then you come out the other end and you feel that you find out that you actually are very disadvantaged and moving on on your own then becomes even more daunting and even more scary. So yeah, this is, this is really good advice. Now, obviously, we talked a little bit about the family home can be very emotional. I often hear, though, going through a divorce, a lot of conflict over pensions as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that seems to be a really topical area for, you know, a lot of conflict, a lot of disagreement. So where do you sit with pensions? And, and if you've got the family home there and you're fighting for that, as a lot of my clients sort of start out thinking, that's what I want. You keep the pension, I'm going to keep the house. You know, what, what are your views on that, Danny? I think it's only about 12% of people going through a divorce that will actually even broach the subject of pensions. It, it's kind of invisible, but it's also, it's complicated, isn't it? You know, um, and, and it can seem like such a long way away before you are going to retire and have to think about that. And right now, all you're thinking about is, okay, th the biggest asset that we've got is the home. So you're thinking, right, the home, it's worth 200,000 pounds. Well, your pension pot, £200,000. So do you know what? You take the pension pot and I will take the home. But they're, they're in two entirely different things. One's an asset and one is an income. And you can take that pension pot and split it between you. It used to be that with a pension, you would have something called a defined benefit pension. So it could get quite complicated in the, in order to access some of your partner's pension, you would have to go down this sort of shared route, which would mean that you would need to keep communications open and you would have to wait until they retired to maybe get half of the income from their pension. You would get that paid to you as they got their income paid. Now, most people don't have defined benefit pensions, so you can just split the pot. And the pension provider will usually say, right, no problem at all, but let's just keep it with us. And you split the pot and then you've both got two separate pensions and then, you know, it grows over time and then you have an income. And in terms of the, your future, think about what your house will be worth. Will you be able to sell it? Can you bring yourself to sell it? How much of an upheaval would it be to sell it? You know, if you have the conversation now where you talk about home and pension, if if it means that you have to take out a mortgage on the house, but you get half of your partner's pension, then that is probably the best course of action for you. Not always, not always by any stretch of the imagination, but that's why you should, if you can, get advice on, on what works for you. But because it is so complicated, because some of the figures associated with it are, if you, if you look at your pension now and you think, right, well, what's it worth? It's, it, it can be meaningless because you're thinking, well, I, I don't understand what that pot is, 40,000. That 40,000 is going to keep growing and it could be worth an awful lot more by the time you reach pensionable age, it should be worth an awful lot more by the time you reach pensionable age. So don't just think these are the same things because they're not. And the other thing is that in terms of um, tax purposes, if someone has an ISA, if one of you has an ISA and one of you has a pension and they're both worth exactly the same amount, 
have a discussion as well, because, you know, your ISA is tax free, whereas your pension, you know, only the first 25 percent is tax free and then it's it's taxed. So they're not the same things. So don't just think 100,000, 100,000, they're the same. They're not. It is complicated. And that is why we go to financial advisors. But don't just think house. House is the thing, because that potentially can leave you in a really tricky situation. Yeah, because you can't live off your house, can you? You've got the assets. I mean, I think the difference is we're, we're emotionally attached to the house. We're probably not emotionally attached to an ISA or a pension. So I think that kind of clouds it. But, you know, that the house, you get the house, but you haven't got an income then, do you? No, exactly that. Um, and there is, when you're going through divorce, it's such a huge amount of upheaval and you're just wanting security. And the four walls that you know feel like the most security that you can get. And you might think, I'm going to fight for that above everything else. I, I'm not even going to be bothered to, to talk about the pension because he's been working or she's been working. She saved all of that money. Um, I've been looking after the home. I've got the kids. I want to keep them safe. So, yeah, you know, I, I know how much the house is worth. I don't really understand how much the pension is worth. And I think it can be really off-putting then to, you know, start talking about them as like things, but it's really important. Yeah, I, I think this is fascinating because I know a lot of my listeners will be thinking, gosh, I hadn't even thought of that, Danny. So this is fabulous. This is really good. Now, another thing that I get asked a lot is, Sarah, right, is there a good time to get divorced? Now, from an emotional point of view, no, you know, when you feel ready and, you know, move forward. And, you know, I know that we've got the no fault divorce coming up in April. So I know that a lot of people are waiting for April at the moment because of that. But there might be other reasons that, you know, April might be a good time of year to get divorced, Danny. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? You, you wouldn't think that there was a good month to get divorced, but actually there is. And April is a good month to get divorced because it is the start of the tax year. Now, you know, if you've only got house and a pension then this really isn't going to to matter too much to you but if you've got other kinds of assets if you've got shares if you've got rental properties then you might then get into a situation where you have to pay capital gains tax and if you think if you've ever been made redundant and you are given a redundancy payout you know that you get taxed on that if you get made redundant, you get a huge lump sum in April. Well, you've not earned anything that year so far. So in terms of how much tax you need to pay on it, you've still got your um, a tax free amount that you can take. You know, so it's not going to be as much as if you get all the way through to March when you've paid a full year of tax. You've used all your allowances because you're suddenly getting a massive chunk. You're getting more that year. Than you've ever had before but if you have it at the start of the year then you can work around it you might take some time off work you know to to deal with divorce you might want to work part-time in order to look after your children so it's it's a really important thing to do if you can obviously in some situations it's not going to be possible you just want to get it all done and over with and as I say, if you're only talking about pensions and the house, this probably isn't going to make a difference. But if you are talking about anything where capital gains tax applies, then do think about it because you will save yourself some dosh. And then 
that means waiting to file the paperwork until April. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it, it might be, if you're talking about, you know, May, June, July, August, you, you've still got a chunk of time. But if you're getting to December, January, February, then in terms of how long it's going to take to sort all of those things out and how much extra tax you might have to pay, it's worth just waiting a few weeks. That's really valuable advice there. Really, really good. Now, for those people that have come out the end of the divorce, they've got their settlement and they're thinking, gosh, it's a bit low. You know, I really need to generate some more, some more money coming into the house. What, you know, I know right now coming out of the pandemic, things, you know, especially in the UK, is supposedly starting to pick up. You know, getting a job, is that is now a good time to be looking for work, do you think, Danny? Now's a great time to be looking for work, um, particularly if you have skills that you have used before, you know, maybe you worked before you had kids um, and you're wanting to get back into the world of work. Employers are desperate for people. Unemployment is really low. So you also had in the pandemic an awful lot of people who decided to retire early or they took redundancy and they've not gone back into the world of work. So yes, it really is an employee's jobs market. The other thing that's really quite important to people that maybe are a bit nervous about going back into work is that a lot of places are now allowing people to work remotely. So you can do a lot of secretarial work just from your kitchen table and you can go to a recruitment agency and they will find you work. And it might be, you know, an employer based in London, but you're able to do it from your kitchen table in Huddersfield. Um, so don't think that you can't go out and get a job. Don't think because you haven't worked for 15, 20 years that you're not employable you'd be surprised. And a lot of employers now are just looking for people that they can work with and train up and they will give you training. And, and also it can be a great opportunity to meet new people as well, to make new friends, to expand your, your whole life at a time when you might be feeling a bit vulnerable and, and getting a job and you know, feeling valued can be really, really good. So yeah, I would say absolutely, you know, look at getting a job. The other thing is, um, if you've got kids, you can often, if you're working remotely, work around school pickup and drop off, which is really important to a lot of uh, working parents. Um, and it also means that you don't have to pay for childcare. And I know for a lot of working parents, that has been something that has put them off from returning to the jobs market. Things have changed not for every employer, not for every job. You know, clearly if you're working in a shop, you've got to go to work in a shop and you work the hours that you are given. But there are a lot of zero hours contracts as well. And I know that they get a really bad rap, but if you're just wanting, you know, to work a few hours a week, just to get that little bit extra to make that difference for your lifestyle, then that could be something that, that really works for you, works flexibly. So yeah, definitely go for it. The other thing is, you know, think about your house. If you can, if you've got years that you can still pay a mortgage, if you are in employment, you could think about remortgaging your home. You know, interest rates are rising, but mortgage rates, 
they're still relatively reasonably low compared to you know what uh, what they have been like in the past so don't rule that out and another thing i know quite a lot of, of women in the past have done is they've taken a lodger you know maybe taken in students can seem weird to have somebody in your house but don't rule anything out if it makes your life better give it a go such fabulous advice I mean lots of different ideas there and even if it is a bit daunting I think there's so many upsides to going back to to work aren't there there's so many positives like not being as lonely and meeting new people and feeling valued all those things you touched on I think mean, great advice thank you Danny where can people find you if they want to find out more and follow you and the work that you're doing uh, so we have um, a campaign that um, AJ Bell has launched, which is aimed primarily at women, trying to make women more financially aware. Um, and we talk about divorce, we talk about pensions. So we have a podcast called Money Matters, and you can find that you can find us on Instagram at AJ Bell Money Matters, or you can Google Money Matters AJ Bell, and it will take you to our website and have a listen to some of the podcasts, read some of the articles. They might be quite helpful. You know, there's an article on there about how to have a successful divorce in terms of finances. So, yeah, that's that's where you can find me or you can also find me on Twitter at Danny Hewson. And just one final question that I ask all my guests. My <laughs> podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you. So even if you are struggling, for example, with the finances, as we've been talking about, you can tap into those little pockets of happiness along the way. So what is happiness for you, Danny? that point when my teenage daughters who are you know teenagers and that point where they come down and they give me a hug it happens so rarely that it is just the most wonderful thing and if they give you a hug with saying you know I love you mum or you're a great mum then that is just yeah that's gold <laughs> I love it I love it I know I love it when my son hugs me too again very rare he's a teenager too but thank you Danny you've been a fabulous guest I know you all have helped so many of my listeners so thank you for joining me today thank you for having me that's it for today's episode be sure to check out the money matters podcast with Danny and I look forward to you joining me on my next episode that's it for today's episode of heartbreak to happiness don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.